وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد طب القلوب ودوائها ونور الأبصار وضيائها وعافية الأبدان وشفائها وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد كلما ذكرك الذاكرون وغفل عن ذكرك الغافلون الحمد لله we are in the masjid JIC Masjid Woodlands Road in Birmingham and as arranged for the 27th night of Ramadan in accordance with the moon sighting in the country of Morocco we have chosen the subject of Al-Quranul Kareem the ultimate miracle now this subject is broad and seeing that we have Taraweeh prayer being led, alhamdulillah, by a local hafiz of the Qur'an. We will attempt to cover as much of this subject as is possible today. Firstly, with regard to this subject, this subject is broad. Ajazul Qur'an, the miracles of Al-Qur'an al-Kareem or the miraculous nature or the miraculous aspect of Al-Qur'an al-Kareem. And of course, non-Muslims and former Muslims or critics of Islam, they criticize Muslims with regard to this subject and attempt to find fault with Al-Quran Al-Kareem. Some examples of this which I jotted down. In Al-Quran Al-Kareem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَخْرُجُ مِن بَيْنِ الصُّلْبِ وَالتَّرَائِبِ When describing the liquid which a human being is created from, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَخْرُجُ That it exits. مِن بَيْنِ الصُّلْبِ وَالتَّرَائِبِ That this liquid exits from a sulb, which is, the, which is translated as the back. وَالتَّرَائِبِ Which is the chest of a woman. So, the objection is that the Qur'an now has contradicted science. Because we know that semen does not come from the back, from the chest. And likewise, the, the egg by which, which is fertilized in the womb of a woman does not come from the chest. So they say this is a contradiction of Al-Quran Al-Kareem with science. This is one of the many examples you would find on videos people make in order to contradict Islam, in order to contradict Al-Quran Al-Kareem with modern science. But these type of objections are faulty in their nature slightly because some Muslims may interpret these verses in a way which is not in the correct methodology, but also because the meanings of the words are not observed correctly. One of the main aspects of the study of Al-Quran Al-Kareem is the linguistical uh, discussions, the discussions revolving around the words, the specific words in Al-Quran Al-Kareem. So the word Asulb, if someone says it just means the back, and they say that the semen does not come from the back, and they object to the Quran, this is a simplistic translation of Al-Quran Al-Kareem. يَخْرُجُ مِن بَيْنِ صُلْبِ وَتَرَائِبِ Asulb should be translated as the loins. But the real meaning of this verse, if you check the verse prior to it, it mentions ma in dafiq. It does not mention semen. It mentions ma in dafiq. Ma is water. Ma in dafiq. That a water, meaning the some aspect of the semen is described as being ma, which is water. And this water, the Quran tells us that the origin of the water comes from the loins. Now that, that means the region from the backbone to the coccyx bone, the base of the spine, from that region, we know that the, uh, the nature of the sperm is to be created around that area before it disseminates into the other parts of the bodily organs. So there is no contradiction between what we know empirically from science and from scientific study. Likewise, one of the former, non, uh, former Muslims, he made an objection that the Quran states that the mountains are pegs that stop the earth from shaking. And he states 
this contradicts modern science because with modern science we know that the tectonic plates cause earthquakes when in reality the quran describes the mountains as a rawasi rawasi is translated by people as pegs or that which holds something down and if these rawasi these pegs were removed the quran states that the earth would convulse and the wording used for this is a very specific word Antamida from Mada Yamidu to to convulse, not to earthquake, because the correct word in Arabic for zalzal for earthquakes is zalzala. So the Quran is not saying that zalzala, which is earthquakes, are caused by mountains not being uh, firm in the ground. It is saying that the, one of the the purposes of the creation of mountains or the wisdom behind the creation of mountains is that those mountains are embedded into the ground and it stops the earth from convulsing this is uh, the correct meaning of that likewise a third sample uh, which i jotted down was in surah al-kahf in chapter number 18 of al-quran al-kareem the story of dhul qarnayn salam which some of them erroneously translate as alexander but in the quran it does not state that this was alexander of macedonia what it mentions is that Dhul Qarnayn salam, he traveled to the west and he came to an area which is described with words Ain, which is a bodily a body of water, and Hami, a dark body of water or a muddy body of water. And observing that, observing the horizon, he saw the sun setting in the west, and the Quran states that the sun was setting in a muddy spring. So some of these detractors of Islam, critics of Islam, they say the Quran is telling us that the sun sets in a muddy spring. This is, of course, incorrect. The meaning is that when Dhul Qarnayn was traveling, he reached a point where there was a body of water observing the horizon. He saw that the sun was setting below the horizon uh, from the observation into a muddy, muddy spring or a body of water. Now, these are th- three examples given in order that we move on to the correct methodology of understanding what is the actual miracle of Al-Qur'an Al-Kareem. What miraculous uh, aspects are they found in Al-Qur'an Al-Kareem? What we would also note is that the objections, in fact, lead us to appreciation of Al-Qur'an Al-Kareem. For instance, an objection, why does the Qur'an not have a contents page like modern books? Uh, Modern books, you go to the contents page, you go, the subject matter is written, you go to that page. But in the Quran, we find that throughout the Quran, we start with Surah Al-Fatiha to Surah Al-Nas. The Quran moves from subject to subject. So the uh, the objection is, why is the Quran not composed like a modern book? But the response is simple, that how books were composed differ from time to time, from every century if you read books which were written in the Middle Ages, they are different to books written today. And the way books will be written in hundreds of years from now will be different to the way they are written in the modern age. Therefore, the Quran has its own uh, unique compilation. But how and what is unique about this compilation? That the theme of the Quran is one. So irrelevant to the chapter surah, the theme of the Quran is one theme. What is that? making humanity realize and recognize their servitude to their creator. This is the theme. So the Quran, when it brings in different subjects, it mentions those various subjects in order to incite the mind of the listener and his heart to know, or her heart to know, that the creator is addressing me. This is the theme of the Quran, even though specific chapters of the Quran will have an overwhelming theme. Like Surah Al-Hujurat is the social chapter of the Qur'an telling us uh, how to uh, form communities and remove any illnesses within our community, Surah Al-Hujurat. Or Surah Al-Nur is the chapter which describes the the repugnant nature of uh, adultery or those types of sins and the good nature and angelic nature of avoiding those types of sins. Or Surah Al-Baqarah has a specific theme. Uh, Surah Tawbah has a specific theme. Each chapter has a theme, overwhelming theme. 
but the common underlying theme throughout the Quran is bringing people back to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So uh, additional objections, you will note, initially someone hearing the objection, they may think this is objection sounds right, but when they concentrate, they will realize the objection in fact strengthens the Quran. Like the objection regarding qira'at. People ask, why do you need different qira'at or what is described as ahruf in the hadith, even though there is a distinction between the ahruf and the qira'at, but they will say, why is the Quran recited in different ways? This, in fact, reinforces the truthfulness of the, of the Quran. How? Very simply put, that if a human being wrote a poem and the poem was writ- recited in seven different ways, you will find that the meanings would end up changing from dialect to dialect the meanings would change because this is human speech but what we notice with the 10 qiraat because in total there are 10 that the meanings of al quran al karim do not do not change and the qiraat do not contradict one another so this in fact is the miraculous aspect of the quran that a text is recited in 10 different ways 10 qiraat yet the quran does not contradict the 10 qiraat do not contradict one another and the eloquence is not harmed. So if someone had the works of Shakespeare and they recited those works in 10 different ways, the eloquence would be interrupted. The eloquence would be done away with. But because this is the, the speech, divine speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he revealed the Quran and permitted the recitation of the Quran in different various ways, which do not contradict one another. So the objection becomes a point of strength. Or for instance, uh, they may mention some of them that the huruf muqatta'at, the seven letters that come in the beginning of the chapters like alif, lam, meem, hamim, sad, yasin, qaf, noon, all these letters, they say these are meaningless. Why are they placed in the Quran? This is the initial objection. But when you respond, and what is the response? You will notice that the strength of the Qur'an, the belief of the believer is increased. The response is very simple. The response is that when these letters were recited to the pagans in Makkah al-Mukarramah, Noon, Qaf, Alif, Lam, Mim, this was to say to them that these letters you possess and these letters, the Muslims know them also. If you believe this Qur'an is man-made and written and concocted by men, then you can use those, utilize those letters and challenge the Qur'an. But they were unable to do so. So when the Qur'an was recited and the huruf muqatta'at were recited, alif, lam, meem, this was a warning to them. Alif is a letter, lam is a letter, meem is a letter, ha is a letter, meem is a letter. 14 letters are dotted in the Arabic language and 14 letters are not dotted if you include the ya as a non-dotted letter 14 and 14 so 28 letters in total and then you measure the the letters in the huruf muqatta'at they are balanced meaning dotted and undotted letters an equal number equal amount so they are told these are the letters if you believe the quran is made then you make something like this also so this objection again is fruitless or for instance the Objection of repetition. They have an objection that the Quran repeats itself. Stories are repeated. So the story of Musa salam, is repeated throughout the Quran al Karim. The story of Nuh salam. Some stories are not repeated. Like the story of Yusuf salam, is in one chapter. But the objection initially to someone may sound valid. But when you hear the response, you will understand why this strengthens the validity or the belief of a believer in the Qur'an, that is, that this Qur'an, when was when a story is recited, whether that story is the story of Musa salam, or uh, Isa salam, or any of the prophets, the Qur'an is recited. They are challenged, meaning the non-Muslims were challenged, that if you believe this is man-made, then you recite the same story with a different style that can equal the recitation of the Qur'an or that which is more eloquent than what we have recited and they were unable to do so 
So the Quran revealed multiple chapters with the same story in different methods. So when you read the story of Musa salam in Surah Al-Baqarah, it is different to the way it is recited in Surah Al-Taha or Surah Al-A'raf. And when you recite it in Surah Al-A'raf or Surah Al-Taha, it is different to the way it is recited in Surah Al-Qasas. So this showed the Arabs that this speech is not from a human being. Additional to that, the information which is given in different recitations may vary. Some points that were mentioned in one recitation of the same story will not be mentioned again in a, another story. So the additional uh, objection they place, they say the Quran is then plagiarized from the Bible. So initially to a novice, this may seem like a valid objection. But someone who reads the Old Testament and then they compare the Old Testament with the Quran, they will, they will notice a great difference between the two. For instance, the narrative, the story of Lot, Lut salam, in the Bible, it ascribes incest to him. Likewise, to Nuh salam, it, the Old Testament ascribes that Nuh salam was drunk and had no clothes on. These type of, types of ascriptions are given to the prophets Ali salam. The Quran refuted these types of claims and the Quran said those scriptures have been tampered. Why? Because the previous scriptures were revealed but the responsibility of preservation was left with the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests but they tampered the scriptures. But the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised the pres preservation of the Quran that he will create the means by which the Quran is preserved. So this claim of plagiarism does not stand to criticism because when you do a cross comparison of the stories, how they are related in the Quran and how they are related in, in the Bible, they are totally different. So this brings us to the additional miracles of Al-Quran Al-Karim. Firstly, we have the miracles of composition and how the Quran is composed from beginning to end, meaning it's a linguistical miracle. But it being a linguistical miracle, non-Muslims or non-Arabs will say this uh, linguistical miracle is specific to Arabs. Only Arabs can understand this. But the response to that is that the Quran has a ruh, a spirit, that when the Quran is recited, whether a person understands the Quran or does not understand the Quran, the Quran will affect the listener, will affect the heart of the listener, will affect the mind of the listener. This is why some of the Theologians have said that anyone who has heard the Qur'an being recited, that is the iblaq, meaning that the message of Islam has reached them. Irrelevant to whether they understand what is being recited or not. Why? Because then it becomes an obligation upon them to, uh, to inquire regarding this speech which was recited. Because of the effect, the spiritual effect of the Qur'an on the hearts. But... I will give a summary of some of these linguistical aspects which a person uh, can appreciate. The Quran challenges the disbelievers, the pagans in Mecca al mukarrama that if you believe this Quran is a forgery, then bring... Uh, initially, the challenge was 10 chapters like this Quran. They were unable to do so. So the Quran then said, That bring a chapter equal or similar to the chapter of the Quran. The shortest chapter in Al-Quran Al-Kareem is Surah Al-Kawthar. So Surah Al-Kawthar, which is three verses, those three verses, if the Arabs, the pagan Arabs could compete with the Quran or challenge the Quran, all they had to do was compose three verses which could challenge the Quran. Instead, they resorted to violence. So instead of Composing and remember, these were Arabs who had proficiency and eloquence in their language. They were unable to meet the challenge of Al Quran Al Karim. Surah Al Kawthar, someone may say three lines should have been easy for them. The response is that Surah Al Kawthar firstly consists of only 10 words, the, the three verses are only 10 words. 
all they had to do is bring 10 words in an eloquent fashion and challenge Al-Quran Al-Kareem. When they did attempt, their speech was a mockery. Uh, people made a mockery of their speech. Uh, they made a mockery because the speech carried no real meaning, no depth. So, meaning the entire chapter, was 10 words composed in three lines. And if someone studies Surah Al-Kawthar in depth, they will realize from each verse a person can take over 12 different meanings. So in total, over 38 different meanings from just 10 words. Meaning this was the depth of the Qur'an. But each chapter of the Qur'an had its own unique style and unique eloquence. You can say that some verses of the Qur'an are more eloquent than others. Likewise, you can say some chapters are more eloquent, but the entire Qur'an is eloquent. But there are some verses and some chapters which will have more eloquence. But the pagan Arabs were unable to meet this challenge. So they resorted to violence. And remember, the Muslims in Makkah al-Mukarramah, they did not have arms. They did not have a state, uh, a city, uh, an army. That was later. All the pagans had to do was counter al-Quran al-Kareem. But they were unable to do so. So in Makkah al-Mukarramah, the majority of the Quran was revealed in Makkah al-Mukarramah. Surah to Yusuf, was, the entire chapter was revealed in Makkah al-Mukarramah. Surah al-Kahf was revealed in Makkah al-Mukarramah. And these were chapters that they could not counter. They could not, so they made claims regarding the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. And the claims were contradicting. Some of them would say a poet. Others would say a magician. And others would say a madman. But these claims are contradict, uh, contradictory. So the claims were not substantiated. And then some of them said he learns the, these stories from the non-Arabs. But the Quran countered this claim, saying that this Quran is in Arabic. The language that you claim is a non-Arabic language. And while the Quran is being revealed and recited in the Arabic tongue. So Surah Al-Kawthar, which was the shortest chapter, they were unable to counter Surah Al-Kawthar. Likewise, the one of the linguistical aspects of Al-Quran Al-Kareem is that one verse, the, the people of language, they could take at so many points of rhetoric. For instance, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describing the Ark of Nuh salam, says, وَقِيلَ يَا أَرْضُ بْلَعِي مَاءَكِ وَيَا سَمَاءُ أَقْلِعِي وَغِيضَ الْمَاءُ وَقُضِيَ الْأَمْرُ وَاسْتَوَتْ عَلَى الْجُودِي وَقِيلَ بُعْدًا لِلْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ One verse. From this verse, the scholars took over 30 points of rhetoric. More than 30. Ibn al-Usbu'i wrote an entire book of how many points of rhetoric are taken from this one verse. Likewise, in law, you'll find in Surah Al-Baqarah a verse which is composed of 32 words, to around 30 to 32 words. And the verse contains nearly 30 rulings. I mean, 30 words to 30 rulings in one verse. That verse which uh, I mentioned with regarding the uh, story of Nuh Salam. Uh, brings us to another aspect of I'ajaz al-Qur'an, the miraculous aspect of the Qur'an. This one verse, aside from the linguistical miracle, the verse states regarding the Ark of Nuh al-Judi, that this Ark of Nuh it, it landed where? On the mount known as Al-Judi. That's all the Quran states. One word, Al-Judi. For hundreds of years, people attempted to discover the ark, the remnants of the ark of Nuh In the Bible, in the Old Testament, we find a reference that the ark of Nuh stopped at a mountains known as Ararat, the Ararat mountains, which are in Turkey. The areas of Turkey which are populated by Kurdish people. So Christians were unable to find the exact location of the ark. They knew that there is a set of mountains which the Bible mentions. 
A Turkish pilot was flown in the 1960s for map making for the government, and he found an impression on the side of a mountain. The impression, and he, of course, took photos of the impression, and the impression seemed like a boat. So then archaeologists descended to the location and they found the remnants of a boat. Remnants in what sense? The imprint of a boat on the ground and the remnants of iron, meaning iron which is used for the nails, and an exact diagram was drawn of the boat, meaning what type of boat was it, what size, and even anchors of the boat were found. What mountain was this? The locals, Kurdish people, told them that this mountain is known as Al-Judi. And that location is still uh, open to the public today in Turkey, that people can go and visit the remnants of what is the Ark of Nuh salam, which has uh, remnants of the, the nails, and people can go and look, I mean the iron. But the Quran states, Look at the preciseness that we carried him in Surah Al-Qamar. We carried him, meaning Nuh salam, and a boat made from alwah, wood, and dusur. Dusur is iron, met, iron nails. And the discovery showed that this boat was made from wood and iron nails. So they found, with using archaeological method, methodology, they found the remnants of um, iron, and they drew the exact diagram. Likewise, they found the anchors of the boat, ancient style anchors made from rock. But the Quran simply states, Bismillahi ala majareha wa mursaha. That the, the Quran states, Bismillahi, uh, in the name of Allah, meaning he said when the boat uh, was on the sea, uh, in the water, majareha, on its flowing. So note, uh, the word majare is written as majra. In one qira'ah, it is majra. But in Qira'at or Hafs, it is recited as Majireh to give the feeling that the boat is moving. Majireha. But when it states Wa Mursaha, it was still the, the Qira'ah is not Mursaha, it's Mursaha, meaning firm. Meaning even the Qira'at have a subtle uh, indication towards what is meant in the Quran. But Mursa is from Arsa, referring to the anchors, the deep anchors that were placed. So when Nuh salam he stopped on al-Judi. Note the word istawa is to rise. That uh, and it also means when something lands, so or seats itself. So when it seats itself, istawa was al-Judi. The boat was on the side of the Judi mountain. And if you look at the pictures of the remnants of the boat, it is a, a graphical description found in Al-Quran al-Karim. This is. Just found in that one verse. Likewise, the Quran throughout describes the Ark of Nuh as ayah, a sign. We will notice that the, the word ayah is used sometimes for those things which are visible. One of those things which is visible today is that people can go and see the body of Fir'aun, which I will mention later. But another aspect here of the miraculous Quran is the law, the, the Sharia law. Now, of course, today there is a war against Sharia law, but how was the Quran miraculous in the law? That an Arab people that had no law prior to the revelation of the Quran al-Kareem, within 23 years, they had complete legislation, a, a, a complete reformation that they were able to govern. So not only were they conquerors, they conquered other lands, they were also governors. So this law which is found in Al-Quran, of course, uh, many people object to the Sharia law and what is found, the, the, the laws that are found in the Quran, and I have responded to those objections in other lectures. But the, the purpose, uh, the point of this uh, exact uh, claim is that the Sharia the law that is found in Al-Quran Al-Kareem reformed a rebellious Arab people within 23 years that legislation, they were able not only to conquer other countries, they were also able to govern.
This is only through the Quran, the revelation of Al-Quran Al-Kareem. So when the Quran was being revealed, there were things that the Quran foretold or we would say prophesied. The Quran told uh, those things which in the lifetime of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that occurred. But likewise, the Quran tells us about things which are occurring today and things which will occur. One of those is that the Romans and the Persians had a war. In that war, the, the Persians defeated the Romans. And because the Arab polytheists were polytheistic in belief, they sided with the Persians. And the Muslims, because, uh, because of revelation, common revelation, that we refer to the Christians as Ahlul Kitab, people who previously had scriptures, even though they tampered the scriptures, the Muslims sided with the Romans. When the Romans were defeated, the Quran, the Surah Al-Rum was revealed in Al-Quran Al-Kareem, which mentions Ghulibat Al-Rum, that Rum has been dominated in this particular battle. But what does the Quran state? Firstly, fi adna al-ard, that they were defeated adna al-ard. Adna is the lowest point of the earth. Now this uh, exact wording again, fi adna al-ard, I will not go into this, but if you do some research, you will find that the lowest point on earth is actually found in Jordan. So the Dead Sea, the lowest point on earth. Fi adna al-ard, I mean, look at the exact description. Even though the Roman army was defeated in Asham. So they were defeated in Asham. What does the Quran state? That after this defeat, what shall happen? They shall defeat the, the Persians. So the Quran now has told the uh, pagan Arabs that after this defeat, the Roman Empire shall defeat the Persian Empire. In a few years, the word bid'ah is three to nine years. What happened? Nine years later, after the Hudaybiyah agreement, the Romans defeated the Persians. At exactly nine years later. And the word bid'ah is three to nine. This occurred in the lifetime of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And there is a famous story regarding Sayyiduna Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu. Where Sayyiduna Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu an, he made a bet prior to bet prior to gambling being haram in Makkah al-Mukarramah, and he won the bet with Umayyah bin Khalf, and then Umayyah passed away, and then Sayyiduna Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu an took the money from his offspring. Uh, the bet was made, of course, prior to gambling being prohibited. So, likewise, uh, when Hudaybiyah occurred. Some of the companions were grieved that they cannot enter Makkah al-Mukarramah and perform the Umrah. So the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Surah Al-Fatih was revealed. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed the believers that you shall surely enter al-Masjid al-Haram. Insha'Allah Aminin, if Allah wills, with not only entering Makkah al-Mukarramah and al-Masjid al-Haram, Aminin, that you shall enter in a state that you shall be in peace, meaning the polytheist would be unable to harm you. At that time, it seemed impossible, but the prophecy of the Qur'an occurred as foretold in Al-Qur'an al-Kareem. Likewise, when... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Wallahu ya'asimuka minan nas. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect you from the people. This, some people may say there is nothing major in this, but the response is when this was revealed, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called out to the companions who were guarding him with swords and he ordered them to leave. No one would carry out the protection of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Considering how approachable he was, at one point, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam went on a ghazwa and a battle 
expedition. And they reached the valley and the companions scattered and some of them went under trees to find shade. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam lied down under the shade of a tree and a polytheist came, an Arab Bedouin, with a, he took the sword from the branch because the sword was hanging off the branch and he threatened the life of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saying, who will protect you now? The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Allah. So the sword dropped from the hand of the man, famous incident. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam took the sword and said, who will protect you now? And the man then said that you are such a person that you will never take retribution. And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam allowed him to leave. And the man then took a vow never to undertake any war against the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this in itself that the Quran gave a promise, you will be unharmed. No one was able to harm the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in battle or with swords or anything of that nature. So, likewise, uh, these are things that have occurred. But someone may say, what things are occurring today that the Quran tells us? For instance, the uh, in Surah Al-Isra, which is chapter seven, uh, 17 of Al-Quran Al-Kareem, also known as Surah Bani Israel, if you read the first 12 verses, it tells us regarding the dominance of the state of Israel. And also, that you should cause corruption on the earth twice. Once has already occurred, and the second one is occurring today. Additional to that, the Quran foretold in that same chapter that the believers shall take the city of Jerusalem and they shall take the city of Jerusalem for a second time. Both of these things are mentioned in Surah Al Isra or Surah Bani Israel. But around the time when the Zionist movement was founded uh, by Theodore Herzl and his consp fellow conspirators in the late 1800s, even though it was a theme that was building up to a formalization of Zionism in 1897, around that time, I think around 1890, the body of a foe of humanity was founded. Whose body was that? That was the body of Fir'aun. Many of the scholars have identified Fir'aun as Ramesses II. And the Quran foretold regarding the discovery of the body of Fir'aun and the preservation of the body of Fir'aun. That when Fir'aun was drowning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed him that That today we shall preserve your body. This word, very precise, we shall preserve, uh, 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 we shall save you. How? Save you in what sense? Bibadanika with your body. Why? In order that you, litakun, you or Fir'aun, become for those who come after you. Ayah, a sign. Note the same word, ayah, is used for the Ark of Nuh, السلام, a sign, a visible sign. So Fir'aun became a visible sign in the late 1800s, around the same time when Theodore Herzl attempted to bribe a Sultan Abdul Hamid al-Thani uh, with gold coins to buy the land of Palestine. The enemy of Bani Israel was found, Fir'aun. Meaning, as if to say that the corruption that Fir'aun caused on earth do not cause the same corruption. So this corruption is foretold in Al-Quran Al-Kareem, also in Surah Al-Hashar. Someone studies Surah Al-Hashar and verses of Surah Ali Imran. There are many verses which foretell the establishment of uh, the state of Israel. So, and the discovery of the body of Fir'aun. Another example is the Surah Tabbat Yada. Tabbat Yada was revealed in the lifetime of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Abu Lahab was condemned. Now all Abu Lahab had to do was to say, I believe in Islam. By accepting and acknowledging Islam, he would contradict Islam because the Quran foretold that he will go to hell, meaning as a disbeliever. But he lived for many years after. 
So to contradict Islam, all he had to say was, I am a believer, I believe in you. And this would contradict the very revelation of the Quran. And the Quran, billah, uh, according to them, would become a mockery and uh, people would uh, make a, a joke of the Quran. But this was impossible because it is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Surah Abu La, Surah Tabbat, Tabbat Yada Abila Abim wa Tab. This chapter establishes the truth of the Quran that the chapter was revealed in Makkah al-Mukarramah and Abu Lahab lived for many years after, but yet he was unable to just say, I accept Islam and contradict Al-Quran al-Kareem. In Al-Quran al-Kareem, there are other miraculous aspects like the Rasmul quran the way the Quran is written. Now, of course, we do not have ample time to go through all of that. But even Rasmul Quran, the, the orthography of the Quran has a very subtle science, like in Surah Al Kahf, meaning when Khidr addresses Musa, السلام, and the word able, is changed three or four times, meaning when Musa, السلام, his patience decreases, the way the word is written is shorter, meaning each time the word shortens. So initially, Musa السلام, had more patience. So the word is written complete. Then when the patience of Musa السلام, decreases, the word is written with less letters. When it decreases further, it is written with less letters. When it decreases further, it is lit, r- r- written down with less letters. These are subtleties of Al-Quran Al-Kareem, which are known as Rasmul quran or the orthography of the Quran. Likewise, Sigatul quran the way the words of the Qur'an, uh, the, the form of the words of the Qur'an. Of course, a few examples before I finish, because Alhamdulillah, we still have live stream of Taraweeh here in the masjid. The word Malik, if you notice, in Surah Yusuf السلام, the word Fir'aun is not u- utilized for the king of Egypt, even though Generally speaking, the king of Egypt is referred to as Fir'aun. The king of Egypt is referred to as Malik. So throughout Surah to Yusuf, the king of Egypt is referred to as Malik and not as Fir'aun. But when the story of Musa is mentioned, the king of Egypt is mentioned as Fir'aun. Why this distinction? If you ask Egyptologists, they will tell you that during the period when Yusuf entered Egypt, the Hyksos ruled northern Egypt and they would not refer to their kings as Fir'aun, meaning an exact, precise uh, description just by one word. Likewise, in, in the same chapter, the word Ba'ir is used for beasts of burden. Ba'ir. Ba'ir can refer to a donkey or to a mule or to, a, uh, to any beast of burden. It's a generic word. But the word naqa or jamal is not used. Again, Egyptologists will tell you the reason being in that period of time when Yusuf entered Egypt, the camel was not made into a domestic animal which was used for these types of things. I mean, such preciseness in the Quran. Likewise, in Al-Quran Al-Kareem, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us how Fir'aun addressed Haman. Haman was the chief architect. Fir'aun addresses him and says, فَأَوْقِدْ لِيَ هَامَانُ عَلَى الطِّينِ Now, firstly the word Haman. In the Old Testament, the word Haman is used for the king, of uh, for uh, the minister of the king of Babylon. In Iraq, from a previous age, in the, uh, from the time of Ibrahim a.s. But the word Haman in the Quran is used for the chief architect. So when this, if the Quran was plagiarized from the Old Testament, then the, Muslim, the Quran would have referred to as Haman as the minister of Nimrud. But instead he's referred to as the architect of Fir'aun. But if you ask Egyptologists again for the meaning of the word Haman, you will find that they will tell you. Because hieroglyphics are a discovery that were, that was made when the Rosetta Stone was found. So the, when Napoleon entered Egypt in 1797, his army found a stone which is known as the Rosetta Stone. 
from the Rosetta Stone, they deciphered hieroglyphics. When the British made, uh, when the British defeated Napoleon, one of the things that they took from him was the Rosetta Stone. So the Rosetta Stone is found in London. But the when they deciphered hieroglyphics from that, they in encyclopedias you'll find that the word Haman, according to Maurice Bouquet, the word Haman is specific for the chief architect. Likewise, in this verse, when Fir'aun addresses Haman, he says, Fa'uqidli, Fa'uqidli, uh, make a fire, Auqid from to fuel a fire, Alatin upon mud. So people today they ask, how were the pyramids made? Just from this wording of the Quran, we understand that the pyramids were made from mud. Meaning, people ask, how were they able to transport boulders so huge from one location to another location and be able to build huge uh, pyramids? The response is very simple: that they transported the mud, and with the mud, meaning if you make a cube from wood, you place mud into the wood, and you you bake the mud, a stone is made. So this is how the pyramids were made by they trans by transporting the mud to the location, which is easier than transporting the boulders, boulders or brick, huge bricks. So. Of course, there are many other aspects uh, of uh, linguistics in the Quran. For instance, in Surah An-Nahl, where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala addresses the bee. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, mean the verse. There are two verses in Surah An-Nahl, but Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Fasluki," that "fasluki," meaning take from suluk, take the pathways, meaning the bee. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says. Subula Rabbiki, that, that the pathways of your Lord. Subula Rabbiki, that the, the pathways of your Lord, these pathways that the bee takes. Note firstly that the bee is being addressed in the feminine form. Why in the feminine form? Because we know that the worker bees are feminine. Likewise, Subula Rabbiki, the pathways of your Lord, we know that bees that they once they eat from the the pollen, they go back to the beehive and they what comes out, their stomachs is a honey. But they follow a specific pathway. And when they go back to the beehive, they perform a dance, giving the coordinates to the other bees. And then the other bees understand from the dance the exact coordinates and they fly off to the same area and take pollen. But note, the point here is that the note the exact precise words of the Quran. فَسْلُكِي سُبُلَ رَبِّكِ So, Likewise, there are many other examples uh, due to a lack of time. Uh, the examples, for instance, which I had was one is The geoid shape of the earth is alluded to with one word. Destroying, of course, this flat earth theory. Likewise, the uh, Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the earth as kifata. The word kifata is that which attracts everything down. Just one word, kifata, very precise uh, in its uh, meaning. Likewise, the way the moon is described as munira. The word, the sun is described as sirajum wahaja, a burning lamp. But the moon is described as qamaram munira, a, a moon reflecting light. The word munir is reflecting as opposed to burning. So the, very precise uh, in its wordings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ We have made this Qur'an easy to memorize. لِلذِّكْرِ And this is one of the miracles of Al-Qur'anul Kareem, that today the Qur'an is memorized by millions of young people and elderly people throughout the Muslim world. That no book has been memorized for 14, uh, over 1400 years by millions of people. And likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That surely we revealed this remembrance, this Qur'an, and we will surely preserve this Qur'an, meaning by creating the means. So these young hufaz of the Qur'an who recite and lead us in taraweeh, 
they are the means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created to preserve Al-Quran Al-Kareem. Likewise, the writing of the Quran and the scholars of the Quran. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There was one last point, which is regarding the word yaqteen, for instance. Um, the Prophet Yunus salam, when he was swallowed up by the whale, he was placed on the shore by the whale with the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Safat, that he was placed under the yaqteen plant. The yaqteen plant is the pumpkin plant. Someone will think, why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned the pumpkin plant? If you do your research, you'll find the benefits of the pumpkin plant and the leaves of the pumpkin plant for the skin. So if someone has been in the stomach of a whale, what do they need to protect themselves from, from the insects that may bite them and take, uh, take uh, or damage their skin? One of the benefits is from the yaqteen plant. I mean, these subtleties in Al-Quran Al-Kareem. So the, this short presentation should give us an in-depth understanding that this Quran is not man-made. It's very precise. And every objection, as I covered at the beginning, that is made against the Quran, Alhamdulillah, Muslims are able to respond, scholars are able to respond to those objections. So young people, or even people who are older than myself, should not fall into doubt regarding the Qur'an because of a video of former Muslims or certain people bring those doubts and suspicions. And inshallah, with the will and might of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, we will counter those doubts in future videos. Likewise, make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, makes the means and facilitation of having all the masajid reopened that the masajid reopen, uh, that uh, all the masajid in, throughout the world reopen, that we can have our congregation and carry out the rus lessons uh, like this with people present in the masjid. Likewise, make dua for those people who are preserving the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout the world. And our masjid also, the people who are preserving this masjid, the young uh, Hafiz who comes here and leads the taraweeh, making a sacrifice for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the caretaker and other people, and all the masajid throughout the UK and throughout the world. Likewise, with regard to Eid prayer, many people are asking regarding Eid prayer. Inshallah, on Friday night, I should be going live uh, on the Lozells Road Masjid uh, Facebook link, on their Facebook link from home. Uh, we are following the guidelines of social distancing. So from home, I will be going live on the Lozells Road Facebook link, a live questions and answer session. And from the Jamatia Center also, they will uh, link on the Jamatia Facebook page also with that same questions and answers. Place your questions there, and I will discuss the Eid prayer issue also in depth. Also, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make things easy on this night of the 27th of Ramadan. Jazallahu anna Sayyidina Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam ma huwa ahluh. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen wa